1: Oh, he was great. You know, we, we needed it. That screen at the end was huge. He had a real good one earlier, too, that got called back. Well, we had one of our guys downfield that he ran hard, the big one at the beginning, too. I know he would like to score on it, but Christian has done some great things, helping us in the run and pass game, and I feel very fortunate to have
3: him. Now, back to Stiney and Guru on ninety five seven The Game.
4: In for Stiney and Guru, Evan Giddings and Dan Von Craig. Is that you with the money choice, or excuse me, the musical choice here? With the music under Kyle Shannon? That's how we roll, man. Looking? All day, damn day. Rocking a little flute there. It's just sort of you know, you, the thing with Craig Valentino. Not he's, quite Doug
1: Flutie, but he's
4: so eclectic with his musical decisions that I just have no idea where he's going to hit me with. So always be on your toes when it comes to Craig Valentino. And because I don't know
1: what the hell is this. This sounds, sounds like the a stuff. theme song to, to something I I don't know, but I I like it. It's kind of like Brock Purdy. Never seen it before. Don't know where it's going to go, but I like the bet. I like the beat, Dan. All right, let's get out to Oakland. Hanging out through the break was Tavis wants to talk about
4: the 49ers in the playoff picture. Tavis, welcome aboard, buddy.
0: Hey,
3: happy New Year's, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, had just a couple points I wanted to throw out there about the Niners as we head into the postseason. Um, I was talking about this with my buddy yesterday. I don't think this team has played a complete game yet. I, I, I'm looking back at all the games, and there's not one game to me that stands out where I said, wow. Both sides of the ball were perfect. That was an amazing win. It's been one of the more quiet, successful seasons, in my opinion. Now, if we look back to the Super Bowl year, let's be honest, guys. That team played their best game, that New Orleans game, right? That shootout where Garoppolo was on fire. Defense kind of came up big there at the end, right? The, the Kittle like getting dragged down by the face mask. And facing, they had a pretty cakewalk road. You got Minnesota at home, right? Garoppolo was pretty minimal, and I'm a Houston G guy. And then the Packers game, right, where we just ran the ball down their throat. By the time Kansas City rolled around, they were tired. If we look back to last year, That team was in some tough games, and every game was a must-win, fighting for their lives to get into the playoffs, right? The Cincinnati Road game, having to come back against the Rams at home. Then you have to go to Dallas, play a very physical defense. And then the Packer game in the snow, which I was at, took my shirt off when we won, screamed at all those losers and Green Bay's fans' faces. But look, guys, this team yet hasn't peaked, and I love the direction they're heading. So I wanted to get your thoughts on it there, right? I don't think they've played a complete game yet, Looking for road ahead potentially. Green Bay's eight and eight. Who have they beat? They don't look good. We will smack them and then you're gonna have the winner of who's it, Minnesota or, or New York potentially in Levi's. And also guys, Philly looks pretty vulnerable. So, uh, you know, like all the talk around the Raider game yesterday, they overlooked them. Who cares? Move on. Like, do we want to be Philly who peak early on in the season and the wheels are coming off now for Sirianni and those frauds? I think this team is ready to peak at the right time, and they got the play style to do it. Brock's making all the right decisions. CMC's a madman. This could be one of the greatest moves in, in front office history for the Niners. So I would love to hear your thoughts on if you guys feel like this run could potentially be different because, number one, the team's getting healthy, and number two, They haven't played a complete game yet. Thanks so much, guys. Happy New Year's, and and,
4: uh, yeah, go Niners. Well, Tavis, you had me until you told me you took your shirt off. But no, you make some good points there. I would say that they've played, I don't know what the consummate and the perfect game is, but I would say throughout the course, maybe the Miami game, throughout the course of these nine wins, some of these decisive victories, the New Orleans Saints, they've played as close to on both sides of the football about as complete a completed game as you're going to see. Are they ascending, if that's the question? Are they trending in the right direction? Well, if you listen to the beginning of the show, I'm almost of the belief and sort of thankful that you get this ugly one out of the way because it's inevitable that if you're going to win 14 or 13 consecutive games to win a Super Bowl, at some point you're overdue for that stinker. And this might have been it, and you didn't lose. That's sort of the way I look at this team heading in heading forward but as far as the complete game he talked about new orleans being their best game in 2019 that was a terrible game defensively that wasn't their best game when you think about their best game it's got to be on both sides of the ball and i think that when you think about miami and some of these other games they've been dominant defensively and good offensively so i it's not about playing your your best game but whether you still have bullets in the gun as you now get down to the most important part of the season
1: yeah if we're looking for the best games this season Start with week two, Seattle. Okay, you don't allow an offensive touchdown. You kick the crap out of them. Of course, that game is marred by losing Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. Okay, fine. The next best example of a complete game in which the 49ers, I do believe, played on both sides of the football would be against Tampa Bay. That's a playoff opponent. Right now, Tampa Bay is going to be the four seed, and Brock Purdy was efficient in that game. They were up 28 nothing at half, and outside of a... Late touchdown in the third quarter by the Buccaneers. You basically shut out Tom Brady. That to me is a complete performance if you're looking for one. So I I maybe I understand what he's saying. I mean, I I don't know what a perfect performance or a, a great game is supposed to look like. You know, maybe you could say against Arizona, you know, 38-10 down in, in Mexico City. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for four touchdowns. Everybody got touches, defense didn't get beat, but you're going up against Colt McCoy. So what? I mean, are you expecting like a, a perfect game in the playoffs, because that ain't going to happen. I, I I hate to break it to the caller, but if you're still looking for th- that game, that game is, is behind you, I think, because that game's not likely going to come against Green Bay, Detroit, Seattle, who you're playing in the postseason, teams that offer different ways, maybe not to beat you, but to test you. And then, yes, you're looking at Minnesota, who you don't have to go on the road against. I think they'll handle a the Vikings team at home but it's not going to be a perfect game and then you're telling me they're going to save their perfect game for the conference title or maybe the super bowl like i think we have seen the best of the 49ers as a as a complete picture there is another level that they can get to certainly that they were not at against las vegas but also if you're if you're looking around you're saying well you know philly looks beatable minnesota looks beatable you want an overtime against the Raiders I hate to put that in perspective for people but the Las Vegas Raiders were a backup quarterback that looked like he was better than Derek Carr yesterday that should be in and of itself a little worrisome now you won the game and you needed to win that game to keep the two seed you proved you could at not at your best overcome those obstacles that's valuable but, and I, I hate to sound like a bit of a pessimist here, but let's not make it out to seem that the 49ers played their best brand of football yesterday. They have. They have in the past. They didn't yesterday, but they'll need to if they want to win in the postseason. See, I
4: see this a little bit differently. I'd be more worried if they didn't play that game yesterday where they gave up 500 yards and Brock Purdy, you know, wasn't very good at times throughout the course of that contest. Again, I'd be more concerned if you've been playing out of your skull, which is Brock Purdy's been doing up until yesterday, and that defense has been so dominating going into the playoffs to simply from a percentage standpoint that you're due for a stinker or a game that has not, that's not on par with what we have seen as far as the dominance defensively and Brock Purdy playing out of his mind. So again, I see this entirely different that you got that out of the way. And that was yesterday. By the way, I just got to go to the text line. The text line, the 510, coming after me saying, Damn Devone is is white. Because I didn't get that was Dr. Dre. Apparently, they're Craig Valentino on the flute. So I've been called a lot of things on that text line. White has never been (laughs) one.
1: Well, apparently they're watching on Twitch and YouTube. For those out there, uh, just Google 95.7 The Game, YouTube and Twitch. You can come watch us as well as listen to us.
4: Yeah, and you can see this Hawaiian Italian who's the farthest thing from white. You want white? Say hello. Evan Giddings is... <laughs> I'm also wearing white, so that would fit. <laughs> By the way, uh, you know one thing I wanted to... This sort of scary going forward, Ev. Mm. When
1: Talk
4: you think about this team not playing its best game, is there room for improvement? How about this? As good as they had been offensively, and they have been ridiculous with Brock Purdy and all the toys of Christian McCaffrey. Think about this a year ago. If Debo Samuel was out this time last year going into the playoffs, that's all we're talking about. Like, Debo was their offense. Debo was running the ball. He was catching the ball and running with the ball. Without Debo, we would be sitting here for the last three hours saying, when's Debo coming back? I hope Debo's healthy. Because they spread it around now in 2022, and you got so many bells and whistles. Debo, while he's important, he's almost an afterthought.
1: I don't know, Dan. I, at points in the game yesterday, did think that this team was missing Debo Samuel. And well, that- you miss him. I'm just saying not to the level of beginning of the year and or a year Oh, ago. sure. No, look, he is... He's a hell of a lot more expendable than he was at the end of last season. And that's because of Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the... If we're talking about Swiss Army Knife, which everyone you know, plugs onto Debo Samuel, understandably so, after last year. Christian McCaffrey is the ultimate Swiss Army Knife. He does literally everything. He did it in his first full start against Los Angeles. Threw it for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. By the way, he can also block... He does everything you would want as a running back, and he does it 100% every single play. There does not seem to be an end to his motor. But Debo Samuel is the second most important offensive player in this football team, I believe. Here's where I wanted to go with that. What's the one thing, and I hate rhetorical
4: questions, so I'll
1: just answer this for you. Well, I majored in rhetoric, so talk to me.
4: Uh, See, that's why I love you, man. You come with a a level of knowledge. I'm talking about scholastic knowledge that's seldom seen here. This is why I'm such a big fan of this kid. (laughs) But, Ev, here's the thing. This team has done so much offensively, but now we're beginning to see towards the end of the year what we haven't seen all year long. And I would go back and say, hey, listen, this has been something that's been missing in the Kyle Shanahan arsenal for the duration of his tenure as the head coach of the 49ers. Speed. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, hello, Ray Ray McLeod, who is becoming more and more of a factor offensively. Danny Gray, was that you that took an end around and just turn the corner and all of a sudden I'm like, "Who, who's a dude who can run fast? Who's the blur? Who's number six? It's the kid who he forgot all about way back in August when he caught that bomb from Trey Lance. All of a sudden, Eb, when you thought, hey, listen, my plate is full. We got Christian McCaffrey and we got all sorts of guys that we can throw the ball to and run with after the catch. Now we're bringing in and introducing the element of speed Is this something we could see be more prominent with Ray Ray McLeod and Danny Gray?
1: Yes, because it gives you yet another option, another level that the offense can get to. It's not going to be every single play. It might not be every single half. But one time throughout this game, Kyle Shanahan will dial something up that makes the opposing defensive coordinator and the defense on the field think and think enough to open up everything to where they want it to be open, which is the middle of the football field and intermediate areas. Okay, so Ray mcleod last week against Washington, 70-yard run for a touchdown. That makes Washington soften a bit. That makes that stout defensive, top-four defense think. Against Las Vegas, there was a 42-yard reception by Ray mcleod Again, those are not things that are happening on every drive. But if you had the added dynamic of speed and guys who can burn you down the field, then that safety has to help over the top. And George Kittle can get open over the middle. That means Brandon Ayuk has more room to operate like on the final drive when he's getting four catches. That means Debo Samuel, when he returns, may have more room to operate. And when Debo Samuel has space, he can create better than almost anyone outside of Christian McCaffrey, maybe in the league. So, yes, the added dynamic of speed is important to this offense. It doesn't mean you're going to see it all the time, but the threat of it being there is valuable enough to the 49ers, to Kyle Shanahan, and to Brock Purdy, for it to be something that can help take this offense maybe even to a higher level than it currently is.
4: Yeah, take the top off, man. I understand the strength of the 49ers is throwing underneath the crossing routes, which we just... I think the problem with that is that we always dismiss that. Oh, it's just so boring and it's so easy to do. The timing on that, and again, give Brock Purdy his flowers here because it's not easy. It may look like it's a fundamental throw, but to make sure you hit that outside shoulder and get a guy in stride, we saw Trey Lance struggle with that. I'm not going down that road to hate on Trey.
1: Tune in for another
4: show because I got some ammo for you there.
1: Well, that was supposed to be his thing, right? He could take the top off with his arm. But apparently it's Brock Purdy, and, and that's the other part of it too is Okay, so. Have you really
4: seen that from Brock or any other 45 yard throws? Yeah.
1: Yes. Really? Now, not a 60 yard bomb, but guys are running wide open over the middle of the field. And if you can hit them in stride, which Brock Purdy seems to be able to do. Okay, so, Dan, if I throw a 45 yard lob right in the bucket, you catch it, you fall down, that's 45 yard reception, yes? But if I hit. Debo Samuel, Brennan IU, George Kittle in stride. Christian McCaffrey over the middle of the field in stride for 15 yards. And they have a head of steam on a flat-footed DB. Well, that route can go longer than 45 yards because you have the added yards after catch. That's where this offense for for San Francisco, and that's where Ray McLeod or, or you know or Danny Gray, that speed that we're seeing, the end around. That's, that's behind the line of scrimmage. But when you have the speed along with the accuracy, the ball placement, to to not slow those guys down, then you have something. And that's why the San Francisco 49ers have led the league in yards after catch for each of the last, you know, how many years Shanahan's been there. Like, that is what they do. Brock Purdy doesn't have a, a great arm, but when guys are running free, when they're wide open, he's proven that time and time again, he can hit those balls in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance could not consistently and so if brock purdy brock purdy has six six touchdown passes of 25 or more yards that's something that for a guy that doesn't have great arm strength I'm, I'm agreeing with you there i don't think he's got a big bazooka on his right shoulder but if those guys are running wide open in the middle of the field he doesn't have to be mahomes all he's got to do is make the layups he's got to make his free throws sure. and then you can go yeah i not, again, to be the personal defendant here for Jimmy Garoppolo,
4: but I think Jimmy Garoppolo can hit those throws as well. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo... I would not put a lack of accuracy on Jimmy Garoppolo. And statistically, DVOA, I know it's a team stat, Jimmy Garoppolo was one of the most efficient quarterbacks over the last year and a half in the NFL.
1: The difference to me is Jimmy Garoppolo's not looking for those throws. Brock Purdy, sure, their arms created equal, maybe, maybe not. Accuracy... Stats would tell you they're about the same. They're just as accurate as each other. But Brock Purdy has his eyes down the field because he can escape the pocket. He can elongate plays in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo cannot. I would agree with. And so Jimmy Garoppolo is looking for that first option short. Brock Purdy, yes, he's looking for the first option 10 to 15 yards, just like Jimmy G is. But when the play breaks down, Brock Purdy can keep his eyes down the field in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo did not, could not, will not. And that's why I think we're seeing an extra level of explosive plays from a Brock Purdy-led offense.
4: I would say, because it's just too early, and I know people are going to say you're out of your mind. I'm not willing to say right now that Brock Purdy's a better quarterback than that of Jimmy Garoppolo. Agree, disagree with me. That's not what I'm here for. I would agree with you when you're talking about extending plays. That just wasn't in Jimmy G's back, right? Jimmy is pretty much a traditional, in-the-pocket and getting to the outside, although he can do it, it's not his forte. And I would say this about Brock Purdy, is that he's quick. He's got quick feet. Like I, I think over 15 or 20 yards, uh, an offensive defensive lineman can track him down. I think he runs like a four, 8, 40. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about quick, short burst, like just quickly getting to the outside or quickly evading uh, somebody that might be in his face. And quite frankly, to be a successful quarterback, that's all you need. That I would clearly say that that is a skill set that he has that Jimmy Garoppolo does not. Everything else, again, it's so premature. Just let this thing bake, all right? Before we arrive at any conclusions, let's just enjoy the ride. And every game is a new experience for this guy. All right. I wanted to touch on, before we get to the break, Yeah. this talk and one of the callers, who was the caller before? What was her name? Anyways. Sonia? Sonia. Beautiful Sonia. Was talking about the potential of one Tom Brady coming back to San Francisco. I don't see that happening. But what about Tom Brady going forward? I am of the belief, I know he had the beautiful game yesterday to Mike Evans. I mean, he went back in time. But at some point, Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's the last guy in the room that's going to recognize this, God bless, that's why he's the GOAT. But Father Time doesn't lose, and Father Time is caught up to Tom Brady and has got him in a it's got him in a stranglehold, like it's it's time, my man. And if you're not going to put yourself to pasture, I'm going to have to do it, and it's going to be ugly if I'm the guy that has to step forward and put you away. I think it's over, Tom Brady. So this idea of going to Las Vegas, this idea of resurrecting Indianapolis, at some point you got to recognize, my man, I'm pushing fifty. Like let's just let's go knit something,
1: or let me just you know clip some coupons. Yeah, I don't think it's a hot take to say that Tom Brady's done winning Super Bowls. I mean, he's he's done. Like he. The one thing that we wondered about... (laughs) Craig Valentino is burning a hole three with those eyeballs, but keep going. Craig Valentino's watched every Tampa Bay Buccaneers game this year, and he will tell you that the reason why the offense is not scoring enough points is sure. The offensive line's been banged up. They're missing some guys. Worfs out for a season. The running game has been absent, maybe because of those offensive line woes, but you still got Mike Evans. He's still got... Mike Evans caught his first touchdown since, what, week seven? Like, Chris Godwin's still out there. You still got Cameron Brady. He still has weapons. Tom Brady has not been as good of a quarterback as he was even two years ago. And so Tom Brady can still play at an an efficient level. He can still obviously win you games down the stretch. But he is not at the point this year where I feel confident in Tom Brady leading a team to a Super Bowl the way he did in 2020. And... Look, he's 45, or he's about to be forty. I I don't know how old he is. He's older than God. He's 45, he'll be 46, I think, in August. Next year, for whatever team he's going to, is not going to have enough around him, in my opinion, to make up for the fall-off that we have seen in the last year or so from Tom Brady to the point where he can compete for a Super Bowl, even in an NFC that, in my opinion, is significantly weaker than the AFC. And if you're going to Indianapolis, then you're going to have to compete in the AFC. So in my opinion, that would want to keep him. He's smart enough to know. He doesn't want, like, that would be the other reason why he doesn't want to go to Las Vegas. Okay, you're going to go play in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? That doesn't seem like a very smart move. He has always been in a division that is winnable, in which he has had the best team. He's been the best quarterback. That's why he went to the AFC South. To me, a team, if he wants to leave, that would make the most sense would be to stay in division and go to the Saints. They look like they need a quarterback. Tom Brady right now, to me, I'm with you. He is done in the sense that he is done winning Super Bowls. That doesn't mean that he can't start in the NFL. No, I
4: think he's done in that regard as well. Dr. Hustle wants to go after you from Walnut Creek. What's up, Doc? What's going on, fellas? It's actually Dr.
3: Hustle from San Jose. You got to be kidding, right? If this is like a joke, this is one of those (laughs) Matt Steinman, you know, just egging us along. Because Tom Brady has... 4,600 yards. He's right behind Patrick Mahomes. He's there with Herbert, Mahomes, yes. Earl, Allen in total of, total of yards this season. He has no offensive line this year. Zero. I've watched almost every Buccaneers game. I'm a huge 49er fan, but I love Tom Brady. If Tom Brady played for the San Francisco 49ers, you could book the next two Super Bowls. And that's the dark day.
4: Dr. Hustle, man, I like it. I like it. Come join me at night, man. That's good stuff. I will tell you why Tom Brady is done, despite the ridiculous numbers he continues to put up, and why if I'm a GM, no way in hell is he starting for me as a quarterback. We'll do that as we continue with Evan Giddings and Dan Avone here on 95.7 The Game.
0: Who gets that hand off? Mason picks his oh, way up the field. Mason
1: dragging down to
3: the goal line, touchdown! San Francisco, his first career touchdown, gives the Forty Nineers the lead. Now back to Steiny and Guru on Ev- ninety five seven. The game.
4: Evan Giddings and Dan Avone in for Steiny and Guru. That was Jordan Mason getting into the end zone for his first ever NFL touchdown. We sort of started the show this way. That I think that Jordan Mason. I don't think the drop-off is that significant and or severe if you're going to bubble wrap and or rest Christian McCaffrey and or forget about resting, just keeping him out of harm's way, that giving Jordan Mason, letting him tote the rock, I think you're still going to be okay. And I think it's the prudent decision, but I think Kyle Shanahan, he sure as hell knows a lot more than me when it comes to this stuff.
1: Yeah, I think when you're talking about, I would throw even quarterbacks in this too, Kyle Shanahan has shown He's got a track record of being able to produce productive running backs. I think he's also shown a track record of being able to produce productive quarterbacks. No matter, really, who's been under center or who's five yards behind him. So Christian McCaffrey is a game changer because that's the first real superstar he's had at running back. But we've seen him get great things out of Raheem Mostert, Matt Burita. We've, th- we've seen him do it last year with Elijah Mitchell. Tevin the- Coleman. Tevin Coleman. We saw him we've seen him do this year now with Jordan Mason as well as even Ty Davis Price. So look, if you give Kyle Shanahan a slew, a horde, a stable of running backs, he's going to be able to get you four to five yards of carry out of that guy. Yeah, but he's not using him. That's my point. He's using one guy.
4: And he's putting that one guy who's so vital to the success of that team in harm's way, which what I think is over usage. He is tempting fate. Like Listen, man, you didn't have to be necessarily have a strong take and say, I think Trey Lance is going to get hurt if he continues to run the ball this frequently in that part of the field. Boom, out for the year. Debo Samuel, we talked about this for how long that Debo's over usage, especially when he's running it up inside, kind of dangerous for a guy that's that vital to the team. I'm just saying right now, I'm throwing the caution flag. There's a different way to skin that cat or eat that meal as far as running and being effective than just giving Christian McCaffrey the rock time and time again. Because Kyle Shanahan has also proven that that's the way he plays football. He feeds the beast, and he didn't get off of that thing until somebody goes down and blows a tire and is out for the season. And hopefully that's not what we're looking at with Christian McCaffrey. Okay, sure.
1: Would you say the Buffalo Bills season is done if Josh Allen gets hurt? Yeah. You see the way that Josh Allen runs? Great point. I mean, he, this guy is trying to jump over linebackers. He's trying to take on defensive linemen. Like that guy is now maybe not not according to Sean McDermott, but that guy's putting himself in harm's way all the time. And he's a little bit bigger than Trey Lance, but Trey Lance is 6'4, 240. Like he's a big boy. I, I think that Kyle Shanahan. Like, maybe he's not using them the way you see Justin Fields scooting on the outside, avoiding contact. Trey Lance, apparently before this year, didn't know how to slide. You know, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan put Trey Lance in the best position to where Trey Lance was comfortable running the football. But we see quarterbacks all over the league take off and not get injured. So I I, I don't want to say that Kyle Shanahan is overusing his guys to the point where they're being, you know, put in harm's way. Because at the end of the day, that's what they're paid to do. You don't think that that Christian McCaffrey is going to tote the rock 30 times a game if it means that the San Francisco 49ers win four straight games and win the Super Bowl. I would just, the reason why I think it's a little
4: different, I don't know how many design runs, and there is a distinct difference between, as a quarterback, having a design run like that of Trey Lance going RPO, Patrick Mahomes also runs the football effectively, Mm -hmm. but it's not design runs. It's not an RPO package. And I would say and argue that Josh Allen also does it by simply everything else is broken down. I'm going to get to the outside and make something happen. I'm bigger and stronger than guys. There's a clear difference when you can pick your path because you know that there's an opportunity to run. You can essentially, when you decide to run as a quarterback, when things are broken down and you're going schoolyard, You can, more often than not, dictate the outcome. In other words, get into a hook slide, get out of bounds, anticipate the hit. When you're running by design, which is what Trey Lance was doing, it's another ball game. You're talking about essentially being a running back. And I've always maintained this in text line. I'm going to get to you because (laughs) I've been waiting for you. I've said this, that Josh Allen will get hurt. Okay, he's bigger and he's stronger right now. He's tempting fate as well. Now there's a difference the way he runs it, which isn't by design like that of Trey Lance. He's running it because he sees it as an opportunity, and again, he can control the end of that run more so than Trey Lance or anybody else who's running it out of an RPO. But and I will get back to this because I made this prediction. The five or the six five zero is continually reminding me of that if he continues at this pace. Defenses do catch up, Ev. I do believe that you can be successful and you can think you're Superman and I can run over linebackers at some point when you least expect it, defenses will square you up and they always win in the end. If you're going to win, if you're going to run with this high level of frequency as a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2022, that's just my belief. And maybe the outlier, maybe the unicorn is Josh Allen. I
1: don't think so. Well what's what's also the difference between Josh Allen and and Trey Lance is is Josh Allen Yeah right can put the ball wherever he wants. <laughs> I mean, like that that's the difference is okay, if Trey Lance had and I don't mean to relitigate this, but if Trey Lance had proved that he could stand in the pocket, be a sixty five to seventy percent completion passer, then I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's calling as many RPOs, but no, for whatever reason right practice, on. he did not prove that he could handle the duties of a pocket-passing first quarterback. So Kyle Shanahan believed the best way to win with Trey Lance was to use his legs as much as his arm, and unfortunately he got hurt as a result of that. We're seeing Brock Purdy now, who has proven that he can beat you from the pocket as well as outside of the pocket. And he also has the wherewithal to be able to take off when he needs to, slide when he needs to, and protect himself for the most part outside of, I would say, that first... I forget if it was against Miami or the game after where he dove for that third down. That's where he hurt his oblique, uh, the rib injury that he he took into Seattle. He's going to have to figure out you can't always go for it the way that you would like to, the way that you could in college. Otherwise, you might get hurt or somebody might blow you up. So Brock Purdy right now has shown that he's a better pocket-passing quarterback, and that's why he's getting the benefit of those play calls.
4: Yeah, and which is why I think he's going to be the quarterback of the future, because he's reinstilled that level of security that I had talked about. Kyle Shanahan now has somebody for the first time in the Jimmy Garoppolo era where he feels secure, handing the keys to where he feels secure with Jimmy Garoppolo should he leave or when, I should say, when he leaves the door or when he walks out the door and he hasn't had that security with Trey Lance, which is why you saw him run the ball. Hell, Kyle Shanahan had his quarterback in the pistol. The pistol? He didn't run the pistol, but he did with Trey Lance because he didn't have the confidence, again, the security of getting him into five or seven-step drops and letting him read the field and throw the football with the high level of frequency that we now see Brock Purdy at.
1: Yeah, but, but I do think your point about Christian McCaffrey is interesting because he is, and he has been the last two years, technically, you know, hurt or injury, however, however you want to put it. He's been out. Okay, so this year, he's finally 100%. And I believe before they acquired him, he had played 90% of the snaps for Carolina. And he was a high usage back. He's always been a high usage back because yeah. he's that damn good. So if you're the 49ers, I understand what you're saying, Dan, and that you don't want to overuse Christian McCaffrey. But if that's your best option on offense, like... A pitcher's not going to stay away from using their curveball if that's their best pitch just because there's a better chance of them hurting their elbow. But, but like I don't mean to cut to you go, off, yeah. but
4: that's my point. Is it their best option when you have a guy like Jordan Mason that has reared his head and
1: say, I can do this as well? I would argue that Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price or Elijah Mitchell after them, who's going to be hopefully returning soon, look so good because of the guy in front of them along with the options on the outside. So Jordan Mason can get you... Yeah, He only had two carries, but he can get you five yards on the ground after Christian McCaffrey has set the tone with ten carries. I also think maybe Kyle Shanahan sees Christian McCaffrey as a guy he wants to get going early. He wants him to touch the ball. He wants him to feel the opponent, and he wants the opponent to feel how physical of a runner and a player Christian McCaffrey is. Set the tone. Exactly. He is the tone setter for this team the way Debo Samuel was last year. Debo Samuel's been hurt. Okay, it's Christian McCaffrey's turn to carry the load, to shoulder it, so that Brock Purdy doesn't have to do everything. I get that. And running backs will tell you as much,
4: that usually I'm lock and step and in sync with that offensive line later in the game. It's like second, third, and fourth quarters is when we really begin to turn it on because we're all in stride. It takes a little while to get into that rhythm. The last thing you want to do is get pulled. just It's like a quarterback. You don't want to come out of a series when you just broke a sweat. I get that. All that being said, I still believe if you were to go back to 2019, and if it's Breida, one series or one game, and then you hand the keys to Mostert for a series or a play, or then you go to Tevin Coleman, you're still one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. And I'm not saying that it has to be where Jordan Mason's getting as many carries as Christian McCaffrey. I just don't think that he has to be the exclusive workhorse on a football team that is showing you that you have running back depth simply because if we know nothing else about the 49ers, is that in the recent history with Kyle Shanahan, they are prone to injuries. If he goes down with an injury which sidelines him for the remainder of the season, I think that, Kyle Shanahan has to answer some questions that I could have kept him out of harm's way, or at least I could have protected him a
1: little bit better than I am. Uh, The the way he's using him, there does give room or or credence to, hey, there, there might be a correlation. Okay, so yesterday, you're looking at carries. You're looking at totals. Christian McCaffrey's got 19 on the ground against the Raiders, against whatever opponent, that's fine. But Jordan Mason's got... Two carries. Ty Davis Price has got one. Like I think that's what you're saying, right? It's not that you can't use Christian McCaffrey primarily, but why isn't Jordan Mason getting five carries? Why isn't he? Why isn't Ty Davis Price taking a couple of those off the plate of McCaffrey? And I think Shanahan would simply tell you, "Hey, dude, we're we're in a close game. We're trying to win this game. This is our player that gives us the best chance to win this game. To win this play, so we're going
4: to go to him. I wouldn't say remove him." From the game, and this is, maybe I should have prefaced with this. I think in a perfect world, if he is your slot receiver along with Jawan Jennings, but say Christian McCaffrey is your starting slot and doesn't start at the RB1, but gets carries, I'm good with that. So if he's not carrying the football, I'm not saying, let's remove our best football player from the game plan. No, I'm just saying, get the ball in his hands another way. Get the ball in his hands, either in the flat or as that release valve, the last option for Brock Purdy. There's other ways, again, of protecting this guy. And this gets back to if I catch the ball, it's much like that of a quarterback deciding to run as opposed to a design run. If I catch the ball and run with it, I have a better chance of dictating my fate and the outcome of this run by either anticipating a blow or getting down as opposed to running the ball off the A-gap. And I'm just trying to decrease what is, again, a guy who is not young. He's not young, man. And just sort of, you know, just lower the percentages of this guy going out with an injury, which would devastate a football team that is clearly headed in the right direction. Back to the Tom Brady conversation. So I want you to clarify. Okay. Because I'm of the belief if someone said to me, hey, you're the GM of the Indianapolis Colts, you're the GM of the Raiders, Tom Brady wants to come play for you, I'm saying... Uh -uh. No, you're the greatest of all time. But that was yesterday. I live in today. And today I look out the window and I'm freezing my butt out. I'm deliberating on whether to go swimming today. I'm all about today, today, today. I don't really. I do care of the histrionics concerning this man. The greatest of all time. The six rings won a Super Bowl as as soon as two years ago. But in 2022,
1: father time tracked you down and he got a hold of you and it's over. Yeah, seven rings, but I also think seven that... Seven rings, my apologies. Well, no, I mean, look, Tom Brady's he's a year removed from leading the league in passing and touchdowns. That's that's true. But this year, and Craig Valentino brought up a great point during the break, this year, we have seen less consistency from Tom Brady than ever. I mean, just, just look at the game he played against the 49ers. Like, he was missing wide-open targets in areas that you're expecting Tom Brady to hit in the red zone, Throwing it at the feet of Mike Evans, who's got two yards of separation. Like Mike Evans has been able to create the room that he did against Carolina this weekend all year. Now, if you're telling me that Tom Brady yesterday, who completed 75% of his passes for 23 touchdowns, can recreate that week in and week out, then maybe you got something going. From what I've seen this year, I don't think he can do that for a month straight. He's 45. There's nothing wrong with that. The reason, And look, I also think that, yes, Tom Brady could come to San Francisco and win a Super Bowl. But I thought we also decided after the Tampa Bay game that maybe you don't need Tom Brady. Maybe you don't want Tom Brady because of, one, yes, what it's going to cost. Two, what it could cost or, well, cost Kyle Shanahan, which is control of his team. Because Tom Brady's coming in, he's bringing his guys, it's his team, it's his show, and you got to bow down to him. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan wants to do that for any quarterback. Nevertheless, one that is the greatest at his position than anyone else in the history of the game. I, th- I don't think Tom Brady's done getting to playoffs but I think he's done winning Super Bowls.
4: So you and I differ in that. I think he's done as a starting quarterback.
1: I think he's done as an NFL career. I think that he should have won. If he he picks up the phone and calls a team and says, I want to come play for you next year, there's going to be, you don't think there's any team that says, yes, we want you to be our starting quarterback. Oh, I
4: think there's a team. I'm just saying if I'm the damn GM, he ain't coming to play for me. If you're the GM, you're you're answering that phone and saying, I'd entertain Tom Brady coming to play. You have to. You're saying
1: Tom Brady can still start in this league. He just can't win a Super Bowl. Yes. Which, I'm saying he's done t- as a starter. There's a lot of starting quarterback. I think he can still be... Look, Tom Brady, has th- he will have thrown the ball by the end of this season. I'm assuming he'll throw it another 50 times on Sunday. He'll have thrown the ball over 750 times this year. If you can't put up the numbers that he's putting up, throwing the ball 750 times as a starting quarterback, then you don't deserve to be in the league. <laughs> I, I think if Giselle gives me the ultimatum and says,
4: come home now, it's been too long and let's be a family and take care of the kids the hell you what more do you need to do seven super bowl rings the greatest of all times it's giselle get the hell home be a dad we've seen enough all right you did it you did it take care of the family be a father well his family is but i would say this also broken now it is and that ultimatum's off the table she's dating someone else and he's dating someone else they've moved on she love the way these people live
1: man. greener pastures
4: I get it though. I understand. I remember Joe Montana used to say this. Once you leave, you leave. There ain't no going back. Like there's no simulating. And we as much as we, I know you get press passes and you go to Warrior Games and you can get to the locker room and you're on the floor and you can see players, you can talk to players, you have relationships with these guys. As much as we might think we know, we have no idea what it's like being in a huddle. We have no idea what it's like when you're two minutes down, you gotta get into the end zone and you're the guy that marches him down in front of 75,000 fans, sticks into the end zone and does it yet again and leaves, You, you continue to define your legacy. So I understand it's almost like a drug. It's almost like an addiction. Why Joe Montana didn't wanna leave? How ugly was Joe in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform? I understand why Tom Brady is like, I'm gonna continue to play this thing until they cart me off, man, which is might happen. I, I get it. As much as we look at it from a practical standpoint, dude, you're old, be a dad. I get the addiction, man, because we have no idea what it's like. Craig, what do you got? I would say the problem you run into, and I agree with, with a lot of what you're
0: saying, I think, with the, but the problem is when you make this decision to say you know what Giselle I'm going back and she said alright I'm out can you really retire now at the end of this year she just blew up everything alright now I'm ready to retire <laughs> you kind of can't retire now so you might as well just ride this bad boy out till till the wheels fall off so that's why I see him at least playing one more year is because there's no
1: way you can retire now because you should have retired last year that's what everybody will say Yeah, Plus, so you she might as well you're, you're get ad- one more year you're admitting fault I mean, you're you're admitting fault in your relationship because apparently the hang-up was you playing. You wanted to go back and play. (laughs) Okay, so now if you retire the year after, well, then Giselle was right. And I do think Tom Brady, as a psychotic competitive person as he is, would say, not only I want to prove everyone else wrong out there that thinks I can't be a quality starting quarterback anymore, I also want to prove my ex-wife wrong because she thinks that that's the reason why we're not together anymore. I don't think this could is be, about him be. retiring.
4: This is about the rest of the league retiring him. He ain't going out. I get that. I'm not going to argue that. he ain't, He's not going out on his own volition. By the way, if you're a young single man in your 40s, like a lot of rich, wealthy 40-year-old men in their mid-40s, and he wants to date a Gen Wire who may not know who Tom Brady is, you got to say, well, hey, I'm the starting quarterback of filling the team. He can't say, well, I used to play football. you got to maintain your status as a starting quarterback if you're now a single man and you want to get that 20-year-old.
1: Well, what he also can do is go to television, which he'd sign a 10-year deal to do before the end of, I think it was, well, what, this last offseason. That's to my point. It ain't about
4: money. It's about leaving that locker room because once you leave, there ain't no going back. So he, you're going to hang on to
1: that for as long as you can. Well, he has held on longer (laughs) than anybody else in the history of football. I would also say, look, there might be a Leonardo DiCaprio uh, path for him when it comes to Gen Wires, but I think that Tom Brady as a quarterback, sure, there's going to be a moment of realization when he thinks he can't do it anymore. The difference is, all of us, those pundits, talking heads, whatever you want to call us, coconuts, thank you, Dan, think that he can't play anymore and have thought that he couldn't play anymore for the last... However many years, as long as there is an ounce of belief left in his brittle bones that he can still start and play quarterback at a high level, he is going to do it. And based on his resume and his seven rings and his God, whatever his playoff streak currently is, that is going to be enough for some team to call him up and say, Tom, you want to give it a go? And he's going to say, bleep, yeah, I do you know what he'd be perfect as
4: to give you the baseball analogy like that of a pinch hitter or even sort of a designated hitter to a certain degree. In other words, like I don't want you to start because I don't think you can consistently do it like you did just a few short years ago. Like if I'm popping in the tape for 2022, as Craig pointed out, I can clearly see you're not the same guy. And while we all have drop off, yours is much more significant. You can't not only do it, you can't string games together. You can't string quarters together, but and Craig pointed this out as well. If I'm down by four. So you put Tom Brady in the middle of a game. And there's 90 seconds left. Can I just go to the bullpen and say, Tom Brady, come on in, Tom. You haven't played the entire game, but I need you now. It's like Babe Ruth. You let him hit the
0: home run, walk to first, and then you allow someone else to run the other bags. Yeah, that's the problem problem with his game is now. He just can't consistently make it work. Even though 4,600 yards, like you said, almost 30 touchdowns this season. He's shown that he can still, at times, do it, but that's the problem. In the playoffs, you have a bad quarter. Like, I don't know if you guys saw their Cincinnati game. They were up 17 nothing in the halftime. They come out of the third quarter, he throws two picks and a fumble, They're the game's over yeah. that fast. So it's like, you have one bad quarter in the playoffs, you go home.
4: Yeah, you know, I was giving the baseball analogy to Craig.
0: You Is just it-
1: called Tom Brady Matt Stairs. <laughs>
0: Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We got to do a little baseball, speaking of match but just we to can. give you a baseball analogy, you know, Verlander will talk about this when people say you've lost, you've lost mileage or MPH off your fastball. You can't throw it as hard as you did back in your 20s. A lot of guys that throw hard for a living, a lot of people say, well, listen, man, you can't throw it as hard as you once did. They'll say the hell with that. Yeah, I can. They can't throw it as frequently. Mm-hmm. They can still get it up there they can get it up there in the high 90s they just can't do it throughout the majority of a game so you got to find a different way and i think that that's where tom brady's at tom brady can
1: still do it he just can't do it for an entire game yeah no and and that's look that's the question can he extract enough of his former self over the course of a game to win you that individual game i believe he can do it over the course of a regular season enough in the right to, Again. Look, if he is 8-8 eight eight in any other division in football outside the AFC or NFC South, he's not in the playoffs this year. But he knows where his bread, where his, where his bed is made, that is in places where he is the best quarterback, where he has the best chance to win. He's a smart competitor. That's why I think if he does go to a different team, it will be... I don't think he's coming to San Francisco, but that would be his ideal destination. It would either be in, in one of those two divisions... So he's going to try and figure out how he can create that space for him to win and just have enough of a chance to try and rekindle some of that former magic. But I I don't think he can do it to the point where he can win the Super Bowl anymore. And I also don't think that's a slight. He's done it seven times already. He's 45 for crying out loud. All right, we're going to take a brief respite from that of the
4: 49er talk. We can get back into it. Also, maybe get into the Golden State Warriors. They take on Atlanta tonight. Got to talk about the hot one nine wins in a row is something else for the 49ers. Let's not discount the four in a row for that of the Golden State Warriors. But I do want to touch in on a little baseball as it relates to Carlos Correa, the San Francisco Giants, and the New York Mets. And where things sit right now. Evan Giddings and Dan Abone will do that next on 957 of the game.
3: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only
0: $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You here? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: Mm-hmm.